and welcome to the Free Like Me podcast by FLM. This podcast aims to help people like you navigate the world of financial planning. We'll be delving into things that we and our clients care about, talking about hot topics and inviting you to get to know our team a little bit better. And welcome to the new FLM podcast, Free Like Me. My name is Caitlin Lambert, Senior Advisor at FLM. So as Benjamin Franklin said, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. So who better to help us enlighten you all on the world of taxes, but two of my esteemed colleagues and tax legends within FLM, Rob Griffiths and James Palmer. Welcome, lads. Thank you. Thank you, Caitlin. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> well, let's start off with, with more of an introduction. Can you um, both give us a little bit of a background on yourselves? Should we start with you, Rob? Okay, I'm the tax director here at FLM. I've been working in tax for 18 years, um, just help, helping us advise and um, just provide uh, tax compliance services and tax advice and tax planning for our clients. Great intro, Rob. Again, I'm James. Uh, thanks for the intro, Caitlin. I'm a qualified tax advisor and financial planner. Started off my career at Grant Thornton and have since been at FLM for the last three years. Wonderful. And what a ride it has been. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, James, when it comes to taxes, what would you say springs to clients' minds first? Great, great question. Um, I think number one thing is confusion most people don't understand taxes and it can be a minefield so i'm not surprised i think secondly they're always looking at ways they can mitigate their exposure to tax obviously all, all lawfully and that's definitely where we, we, we come in to help um and lastly i think dread i remember my days when i was preparing tax returns both at flm and, and at grant thornton um, most clients just flick through the return with a, a dreaded uh, look on their face, waiting for the bottom line, which is the amount they owe. And, and again, all the more reason really to, to plan effectively. Yeah, I think particularly this time of year, um, people's tax returns are very much on their mind, particularly if they haven't done them yet. And uh, you know, it's, the tax return itself is everyone's least favourite piece of admin. In terms of the, the broader sort of concept of tax, I think uh, people find it quite daunting and um, just sort of, something that they just sort of shy away from when actually if they sort of found out more about it and embraced it a bit more they could really improve their their experience of that world yeah i don't i don't think it helps when tax legislation seems to be flip-flopping around all the time as mm. well there's just so much to keep abreast of for clients too yeah absolutely it can be a very confusing and and constantly changing area which um is it's very difficult for the layman to sort of keep abreast of and that's I think that's where it's really key to have a, an advisor or a team of advisors as, as we have at FLM who are, who are doing all that legwork for you and translating that technical side of things into more understandable terms and um, just helping in that area and making it less daunting. So would you say that you know gaining knowledge and, and, and greater education is is one of the most important aspects for people in terms of understanding taxes? I think so. It's very key, key that you know, you know, right from the very basics of what your filing requirements are, what your personal tax position is, 
how that might change through your life as your, as your finances potentially become more varied and, and complicated. Uh, what what allowances are available? What what are the sort of pitfalls that you could accidentally sleepwalk into? And if, if you've got someone that can avail you of that knowledge and answer those questions for you, then um, you're going to make yourself more tax efficient and um, you're going to make yourself less likely to sort of trip up in what is is quite a complex area. Yeah, so Caitlin, just to expand on that, I think for me, um, educating yourself isn't necessarily like a necessity for clients. For me, it's understanding the basics and that's of their own situation. So know what income streams you have. I, th- I think it sounds pretty obvious, but it's, it's surprising how many people don't know loosely what, what taxes you're liable to pay. But important ones, I think, are knowing dates. So tax year dates, when you need to file tax returns and when you actually need to pay. I think a common confusion around clients is they feel as soon as I do my tax return, I must pay my tax bill. And that's that's, that's not the case. And actually, you can be extremely organized and get all your admin done early doors and know and plan for the bill you pay in January. So I think organization and knowing the basics are far more important for my side of things. Yeah, I would I would really agree with that. And I must say, having moved over from Australia, where everything works on a calendar basis, it definitely took me quite some time to to wrap my head around the different tax dates and the fact that the tax year ends in April and that, you know, it, it's a bit confusing as to why. And then also becoming a self-employed individual um, a couple of years ago as well. And you've got so many other dates to have to to think about when you go through that process as well. It is it is quite overwhelming at times. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I've no idea why that the tax year in, in the UK is 6th of April to 5th. Well, maybe as, as the expert, you may know. Um, but yeah, it, it is confusing and it definitely hasn't helped clients. But again, once you know it, you know it. So it's things that people can focus on, I think. Yeah, I'm, I must um, put my hand up and say I'm guilty of not having filed my tax return for this year yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quite upset with me about um, But anyway, so... Rob, can you just explain to us on that note a little bit between uh, a tax, what a tax return is and what a tax refund is? Because I think the terminology can be a little bit confusing for clients sometimes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So the tax return is simply just the form that you submit to HMRC to report your, your tax position for the, for the year, your self-assessment tax return. Obviously, uh, in most cases, that's submitted electronically. It's not going to be a paper form. Uh, a tax refund, that is, if you have overpaid tax during the tax year, as the name suggests, just a refund of that overpaid tax. And hopefully, if you've been working with one of yourselves or another advisor in FLM to, to make sure you're, you know, you're um, not overpaying tax where you don't need to be. I know, and, and actually, you know, the majority of our clients do actually receive tax refunds because they've. Um, They've, they've had the correct planning in place to, to enable that to happen. Yeah, great. And those that don't, those that will have liabilities that are potentially unavoidable, um, the, again, the vast majority of them will know what that liability is in, say, June, July. They're getting ahead of the game. And if they know about it in June, July and don't have to pay it until the 31st of January, then there's, there's plenty of time to make any provisions that, that may be needed in order to pay that. Yeah, definitely an incentive to prepare and and start 
the process as soon as possible rather than and leaving it to the last minute and, and filing in January and being stuck with a nasty surprise. Yeah, so the last thing you need is a nasty surprise in January when you've just potentially paid out over Christmas and suddenly, whammo, you've got to pay HMRC a hefty bill that you weren't aware of. And that, that is something, that is almost a sort of step one of what we try and ensure that our, our clients don't experience. I was going to add there, Rob, I don't know who who made the payment deadline straight after Christmas. Pretty unfair, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. It's, it's terrible timing. <laughs> so, James, what happens if there's an issue with your taxes? Again, that's a great question. And I think people think they have issues or, or issues do happen, maybe more than they should. I think... It really depends on what the issue is and what it relates to. I think if you are paid through PAYE and you think you may have overpaid or underpaid income tax, HMRC usually, and I'll caveat that usually, but they're, they're usually good at correcting themselves and either sending you a bill or, or, or repaying you if you do overpay tax. If it relates to any other issues or you don't pay income tax as source, it's probably wise to take advice. I think things can become very confusing very quickly. And if you start putting your, your fingers in various pies, I think you can make a real mess of the situation. So if that's the case, I think take some advice ASAP. Okay, brilliant. And Rob, so what kind of tax relief would be available, do you think, to our listeners that you know they might not be taking advantage of or aware of? I think one of the most common things is not necessarily your an individual's tax release, but the but not sort of using their spouse's tax reliefs. Um, if you've got a lower earning spouse, so potentially if you've got one higher earning spouse, and I, I come across it all the time where all the sort of their dividend generating investments and so on are being held in their name, and their the person the tax free personal allowance of their spouse and the basic rate tax plan of their spouse is not being used at all um equally the the spouse's capital gains exemption uh, as you know we can we can all make capital annual capital gains of uh, 12300 without being subject to any tax um but a you know a surprising number of people will not make use of their of their spouse's capital gains exemption which is um, which is just one of the most sort of straightforward and, and simple and obvious bits of planning that, that everyone should be doing if, if indeed that is available. And it's probably important to point out to our listeners that disposals between spouses don't um, attract any tax. So mm. certainly in, in my client base, I see clients that have built up lots of shares through their company schemes over the years and therefore a lot of the the liability um, grows and grows over time and not moving shares into the spouse's name can mean you're you know you're paying tax at you know an extra 28 percent than you could potentially need to be absolutely and, and crystallizing gains be it be it through um, personally owned shares or perhaps a an investment vehicle such as a unit trust crystallizing those gains on an on an annual basis over a, a sort of you know perhaps as much as a sort of 20 to 30 year period actually represents a, a huge amount of investment growth tax-free and to to not be utilizing that and potentially crystallizing those gains at the end of those 20 years you could be hit with an absolutely whopping tax bill that, that could have been avoided i think it's a really good point then i think 
since my days in, in the planning world, um, most people aren't aware that they can do this. So definitely something all all couples, married couples or in a civil partnership should look at utilising. I think the one for me as well, Caitlin, was pension relief. Um, most people aren't aware if you're an additional rate taxpayer, you can get up to 45% tax relief on any pension contributions. And it's really an opportunity that is a, a no-brainer. And recently, you know, that, well, for the last couple of years, but even more so recently, the government have been talking about reducing that relief. And that could be one of many ways they look at sort of recouping some of the stimulus they've, they've distributed in the last 12 months. So something that I think every individual, one, should be aware of, and two, if they're in a position to do so, utilise. Yeah, it's definitely something that's been at the forefront of my clients' minds, which is, you know, that question, how are we going to pay for this? And when I say this, it's, you know, all the stimulus that's been released um, to help, you know, support people during the pandemic. And is this a conversation you're having with your clients? And if so, what are you both um, mentioning to them? We definitely are. Yeah, um, we're again, pensions are the most efficient way you can save uh, for, for your retirement. So we're definitely telling clients to utilise this. Um, definitely this year's allowance. And to our listeners who may not be aware, you can go back the previous three years and use any unused allowance as well. Um, but I think our conversations are definitely earing more towards this relief may not be here forever and it could be gone as soon as the spring. Um, I'd be surprised if it went completely, but I mean, who knows what's going to happen. So yeah, definitely our focus has changed to utilising this where possible. I think and another day, something that's a real hot topic at the moment, um, particularly in terms of, of how we're going to, um, um, you know, fill fill that hole, fill that that deficit that's been um, created by uh, all the public spending relating to COVID is uh, capital gains tax. Uh, the capital gains tax regime has been um, under review in 2020, and we're, we fully expect some significant changes to come about in uh, in the spring budget. Again, how that will look exactly, we can only we can only speculate, but. Um, the chances are there's going to be in- increases in capital gains tax rates, perhaps um, reduction of, of various different allowances. And that's a conversation we're having having with a lot of our clients. The solution, you know, in, in some cases, people are sort of you know, hedging their bets, crystallizing gains, and then and, and just sort of paying the tax now at 20% rather than um, risking a, an increased rate of capital gains tax in the future. Um, again, that's you know anyone that does have s- significant sort of latent gains within investments or indeed any, you know any assets they hold, there's definitely a conversation they should be having with their financial advisor or tax advisor to see see what the impact of an increase in the rates might mean to them and, and how they can go about protecting themselves against that. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the same is is being said about uh, buy properties as well and the potential impact mm. that any future increases in capital gains tax may have on landlords. So that there definitely is is a lot, a lot to be thinking about at the moment, that's for sure. Definitely. But to say that, I mean, that's where uh, our client base are, are really going to benefit from from having a, an advisor, having an advisory team as it, as it is. It's when they, want, for one thing, they're going to be fore, forearmed and forewarned. And when those changes are made when that that budget does come out in the spring they're going to have someone on hand to help them you know decipher what it actually means and what it actually means to them 
I agree, Rob. And I think one of the biggest benefits of having an advisor is that you take a proactive view to these things. Most people, if they don't receive advice or if they have a, a typical accountancy service, I'd say, it's very much, this is what's happened, what tax do I owe? And the huge benefit of taking advice, I think, is one, we talk about what changes are likely to happen. So you don't miss out on any opportunity. But also, given the current legislation, you can plan effectively and reduce your exposure to tax and, in, in many cases, reclaim tax you've already paid. Now, I think there's a, there's a very sort of common misconception that tax planning um, is only really relevant to sort of ultra high net worth people and it, and it involves squirreling funds away offshore and, and all these sort of common things that, you, that the media portrays it as. Um, but actually, you know, the vast majority of it is just being a bit sensible and just sensible and methodical and organised planning of your finances to ensure that you're not paying more tax than you need to. And there's usually just some some pretty obvious and straightforward, easy wins to be to be achieved. And I think that's where people perhaps should, you know, don't feel so daunted. Don't feel that it's not something that, that applies to you because you're not earning, you know, billions that actually for the vast majority, there are just a few sort of, you know, tweaks and improvements that you can make to your, your financial life. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. We have the same the, the same questions and concerns come up when it comes to financial planning as well. And it, it, I think because of some of the language that's used and uh, the way these things are positioned, people do tend to think, oh, that's not, not relevant for me. But as you say, there are so many different, you know, basic allowances that people can take advantage of that, that they aren't even, you know, the, the savings allowance uh, for individuals as well, making sure that the interest they're earning is tax-free. Uh, there are there are so many different ways to to take advantage of it. Definitely, for sure. And my biggest advice to anyone who feels like they need to either look into their their taxes, their finances, or potentially take advice is the sooner you do it, the better the outcome will be. And that's if you think you may owe it, or if you think you may be entitled to reclaim some. And many put it off because it's not the most exciting task to do it in the world, but. Like most things, that the sooner you plan and, and the sooner you take advice, uh, the better the outcome will be. Likewise, it is, you know, people who are in the most need of um, tax or financial advice tend to be the people who have the more complicated finances and, subs- and consequently tend to be pretty busy people and will just don't have the time that's required to devote to actually understanding the, the confusing UK tax legislation and to be able to put that planning in place, recording it, monitoring it, ensuring that it's reported to HMRC appropriately and, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and why would you? You know, you've got, um, you know, you've got potentially you've got a family you want to spend time with, you've got a demanding career. Um, why would you want to then take up more time trying to become a, a tax advisor, which is not your main profession, when there are people that can do that for you. Yeah, exactly. And and I suppose the ever-changing legislation does keep us all in a job, doesn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's kept Rob in a job for at least 18 years, so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll continue. So I know we touched on it earlier, but I think it would just be quite useful to recap the key dates that taxpayers need to know about or keep in mind. James, could you just run us through those, please? 
Yeah, for sure. I think the, the, the tax year, again, runs from the 6th of April to the 5th of April. And that's important dates, number one. Secondly, you have until the 31st of January following any tax year to both file your tax return and, and pay your tax return. You can file your, uh, sorry, pay your tax return, pay your taxes. Um, you can file your tax return before that. Doesn't mean you have to pay before that. And definitely recommend people do get organized. I think one date that's often missed is if you don't pay tax at source and actually you, you, you pay through self-assessment, you sometimes have to make a payment on account for the next tax year. And they're both due in 31st of January and 31st of July. So that would be someone who was self-employed? Yeah, self-employed, uh, employed through their own their own company and pay themselves in dividends, landlords, that, that type of thing. Essentially, anyone who's less than 80% of their overall tax liability is deducted at source. Yeah. And, and when you're moving from the employed to self-employed um, space, there's also a, a situation where you can end up paying a little bit more tax in year one. Is that correct? That's a really good point, Caitlin, actually. And many of my friends have recently just gone self-employed from, from employed roles. And in theory, when, when you have that first year, you owe tax for the year you've just had. And you need to make that first payment on account for the next tax year. And most people say, oh, I have to pay tax twice. That's not necessarily the case. And actually, you're just becoming more in line with people who are employed as such. But again, a really good point to note, because if you don't plan effectively and you think, oh, I'll save roughly what I think my tax bill will be, you can often be hit with a nice surprise. So my advice to anyone who doesn't pay tax at source is to budget um, maybe set up a separate bank account and transfer X amount of your income each month just to save and advance that liability. Because like you said, that, that first year in particular can catch up with some people. Yeah, definitely. That that sort of cash flow issue can really trip people up if they're, if they're not aware of it. Just for illustrative purposes, just I'll just throw some numbers out there for you. If, if for instance, 1920 was your first year of being self-employed, and your your tax liability for the year is say twenty thousand that you were due to pay at the end of this month. You would actually also be required to pay another ten thousand in January. Um, now to go towards your your twenty twenty one tax, and then another ten thousand in in July twenty twenty one. And if you're not prepared for that, going from uh, an expected tax bill of twenty thousand to thirty thousand can. Yeah, be a bit of a sting. Definitely. And if one of our listeners was to come into that situation, what options do they have around being able to to pay tax where they don't they don't necessarily have the funds available? Well, you can you can uh, put in place a uh, a payment program with HMRC. Um, they're you know they're, they're they're pretty open to that if you can demonstrate that um, you don't have the funds readily readily available. And um, that that will typically be, you know, a prearranged um, payment program of, of a monthly payment over, say, one one to two years. Okay, brilliant. And and just coming back to you know the way you can get caught out. One one thing I also often get asked by friends and and newer clients is when do I need to start filing a tax return? That's a great point, Caitlin. I think for for most individuals who are employed, it's if you start receiving income 
above and beyond £100,000. And I think broadly speaking, for anyone else, if you have any income sources which aren't taxed at source, you'd probably need to file as well. And that goes for any assets you, you've sold um, and things like that. That is broadly speaking, but I would say that is some rough guidance to go on. Rob, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, a, again, that's something that people often aren't, aren't aware of. They, they don't think they need to file a tax return because they're being taxed purely, purely through PAYE, but they've started to earn over 100,000 and they need to file a tax return. Likewise, if you've got a significant investment portfolio that's generating income, there's a good chance you'll need to file a tax return. If you've got a rental property or, or anything, any other sort of untaxed source of income, then there's a chance that you'll be needing to file a tax return. And then you should you should definitely seek advice and confirm you know, 100% whether you do or you do not need to. And we've both mentioned the £100,000 mark. Can you just talk everyone through, Rob, why it is £100,000? Well, one of the one of the key things when your income exceeds one hundred thousand is um, for every two pounds that your income exceeds one hundred thousand, you actually lose a pound of your tax free personal allowance. So, for example, if you, for the sake of argument, were earning exactly one hundred thousand, and then you were fortunate enough to get a, a ten thousand pound bonus, what would happen there is that you would um, you would lose five thousand of your tax free personal allowance. So essentially, as well as being subject to 40% income tax on that 10,000, you would actually um, pay an additional uh, additional 20% tax. And essentially, of that 10,000, you would only be taking home uh, 4,000, which is, um, you know, effectively, it's a 60% tax rate. Yeah. yeah, great example, Rob. And one thing we say to our clients just, broadly on that is as you start earning over £100,000, things become more complex. There's that nasty 60% tax bracket Rob spoke about. You may be liable to higher tax uh, tax rates the more you earn. And it also opens so many more planning opportunities. So if you are in that sort of category, I definitely recommend taking both financial and tax advice. Brilliant. That sounds like a pretty nasty tax bracket to be in. <laughs> But it's so, but so easily um, avoided with um, careful planning, though, Caitlin. And what, what a lot of people don't realise is that you can actually um, reclaim that lost personal allowance, um, for example, through making pension contributions. Um, pension contributions, obviously, as we know, being a very, very sort of tax-efficient way of um, planning for your retirement. But um, there, there's that you know, additional bonus of reclaiming that, that personal allowance, which makes it all the more attractive. And I think there's also the... The risk in that is if if your uh, you know your tax code that you're on assumes that you do get your full personal allowance, um, but actually you've not been entitled to that. That's when people can get into that sticky situation where they've got a, a bill due in January, isn't it? That's a really good point, Kaylin. And again, going back to my time when I was processing tax returns, so many people say, "How have I got a tax bill? I'm, I'm employed. My my employer takes the tax at source." Exactly that. A tax code, again, no one really knows what they are or, or what they mean. But often we see people on the wrong tax code and they end up underpaying tax at source and then they're hit by a nasty tax. Yeah, it's very common. We see it all the time. And, um, you know, the, the average person will, will struggle to understand their, their tax code and what that what that means in terms of flu- 
potential fluctuations in their take-home income. And that's why having having someone uh, filing your tax returns for you and perhaps monitoring your tax codes is is uh, certainly worthwhile and prevent those nasty surprises of having a tax liability purely through something um, as simple as being on the wrong tax code. Okay, so last question for you guys today. Is there any advice you have for our listeners who might just be starting to look into their taxes? James? Great question. I think the number one thing we've spoken about is pension contributions seem to be a right winner. Uh, but no, in, in all seriousness, I think my advice would be that the sooner you look into these things, the better. Um, it's it's a pain when you owe tax. It's brilliant when you are owed tax. Um, but the sooner you plan, the sooner you get things in order, the better your overall experience and all outcomes will be. I think that, that hits the nail on the head, really. The, the earlier, the better. Um, it's far easier to, to get a, a good overall understanding of your, your tax affairs and your financial affairs where they're still relatively simple. And then the planning can be put in place um, nice and early so that as things do evolve and become more complicated in the future, you're you're aware of what those 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 changes might mean for, and you've got the, the planning in place to prevent any sort of unpleasant surprises further down the line. It's a much it's a far different situation if you've just sort of you know potentially sort of had your, your head in the sand for a few years and and then you try and sort of untangle something that's become quite a messy situation further down the line. Again, I think another another sort of um, real sort of important piece of guidance is is to take advice prior to taking an action that may or may not have um, tax implications, be it um, selling your home, selling a, a second property, um, perhaps buying a buy to let. You definitely before you before you go ahead, take some advice and find out what that actually means to you from a tax perspective before you just sort of um, go for it all guns blazing and then potentially uh, find yourself in a sticky situation. I'm sure you've you've pulled some people out of some sticky situations in the past, Rob. I certainly have, Caitlin. <laughs> well, I think one thing is clear is that I really need to get on and get my tax return done. Um, but thank you, guys. That's been uh, really insightful and I hope it's been uh, really useful for our listeners today. Obviously, comes at a very poignant time. So thanks, Rob. Thanks, James, for joining us. And I hope all of our listeners have found this session on taxes useful. Well, thanks for inviting us to join in with this podcast, Caitlin. Um, it's been great talking to you. And again, yeah, like you say, I'd, I'd echo your words that I, that I hope um, this has been useful to anyone listening to it. Thanks, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. I look forward to speaking to you both soon. Thanks, guys.